On today's Footy Weekly Podcast, we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Chelsea himself, Carlito, from the London is Calling Podcast. Ah, Carlito! Carlito! Hey, fellas, how you doing? The Welcome to the Shelly. show, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm actually a regular listener, and you guys do a great job. So, shit, yeah, let's get into it. Stoked to have you on, man. Uh, as always, we're also joined by my brother and Liverpool supporter, Stephen Scanlon. Stephen, United just aren't good. <laughs> no, United's not good. It's glad. I'm really glad to have our, our boy Carlito on the podcast with us. It's going to be a fun, uh, fun episode with a ton to talk about. Fun yeah. indeed. Uh, Paul and Jane are off tonight. So as always, I'm your host and Liverpool fan, Andrew Scanlon. Let's get right into the action because with Carlito on the show, we're going to need all the time we've got to get through this shit, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Much to Carlito's chagrin, we're going to start with oh, league leaders, <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, yes. Right. Liverpool at home to United, 2-0. Uh, we had goals from Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah, and mm. 90 plus 3 for Salah there. Took his shirt off, showed the six-pack, showed the buys. He looked unreal. He looked incredible. Looked absolutely incredible. Liverpool have beaten every team in the Premier League. They dominated most of this game. I think they should have been up at least three or four nothing after the initial ten minutes in the second half. Um, yeah. We missed some big chances. United had two big chances with Martial, the volley that should have gone to the upper right corner, but ended up in the stands. And uh, Pereira missed a tap in. Rashford, I think, would have made a huge difference. But uh, Stephen, who was your man of the match for this game? Genie Wijnaldum. Uh, I thought Genie played uh, in a really good game. Uh, he absolutely fleeced uh, Maguire. Uh, when Maguire just ran out of position and got completely nutmegged, and that was really embarrassing, dude. Like that was that was really bad. But no, I just thought um, you know first half and second half. Um, you know there was times when the midfield kind of disappeared, but um, it, it did not last very long. Genie was always the guy to you know kick it back up. I know you could obviously say Henderson too. Henderson played a good game. No, uh, Van Dyke obviously as well, but for me it had to be Junior Wijnaldum today. Yeah, I mean, I think him and Hendo just really dominated that midfield. Um, Henderson was my man of the match, but I gave them both nines out of tens. They are unbelievable. <laughs> they didn't give United any time to breathe on the ball. Um, you know, guys like Fred and Pereira were definitely struggling for big parts of the game, and I thought Henderson was going to score on that screamer with his left foot just outside the box and hit the mm. post, but yeah. – uh, would have loved to see that, but definitely a captain's performance by Henderson and another great performance from uh, from Genie Wijnaldum at home. But um, Carlito, going to you, I just want to hear your thoughts on this Liverpool side. You're you're a Chelsea podcast. You don't have uh, much time to talk about Liverpool on that on that platform. But uh, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, but I really like the team. I appreciate the players. Jordan Henderson is one of my top favorite players in all of world football. He's number five for me on my list. Hendo is my guy. Yeah, certainly one of the best midfielders in the league. And you're embracing would, his nickname. Yeah, but I embraced, <laughs> I, I embraced it before it was cool. <laughs> all right, all right. You hipster, uh, you. He was, he was my man of the match as well. He rocked the cock from minute one to minute 90, man. He was great. But he's been great for a while. And one of the things about him in particular is that he's not terribly flashy. He doesn't stand out. He does the things that you should do, but he does them consistently well. And that consistency has been carrying for, I believe, at least 18 months. Yeah. And his consistency really, really is indicative of 
Liverpool as a whole and why they've been so comprehensively successful. So with me and Liverpool, they haven't won the, the big one in 30 years. And now this has been a narrative that's been perpetuated throughout the entire season. They are going to win the title, deservedly so. They're the number one team in the world. And one of the most interesting things about the team is that the two biggest playmakers are not even central midfielders. They are your outside backs. Yeah. They're not your two best players, but they are your two most creative players. And everything going forward, it often starts with them. Yeah, no, he's absolutely right. And I think what's what's interesting too, and I think, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, we can really say how balanced this Liverpool team is. But I thought the last two games were probably Robertson's two worst games in a long time, especially yeah. from an offensive standpoint. He has yes. been, she's been pretty sloppy. And uh, even not 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 so um, so much so against Man United, but Trent the game before was pretty bad going forward as well. So I mean, what's really what's really nice to see with this Liverpool team is they can beat you in a number of different ways. You know, they can play the long ball over the top, and then they do have the, a little bit of creativity with Ronaldo and Henderson to you know create through the midfield. They don't do that as much. They typically rely on Firmino to create for Mane and Salah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they can beat you in a number of a number of ways right now. Well, yeah. for me, Firmino definitely steps from the back to the front. He'll, he'll he'll come inside a lot. He doesn't play your prototypical nine role. He is a false nine, maybe even just a roaming ten. So his ability to constantly play between the lines in the half spaces, both vertically and horizontally, is what makes him so difficult to mark. Because what happens? If he comes into your midfield as a center back, do you go with him? If you go with him one of your wings is going to go, go diagonally in behind. Mm-hmm. So you, there's, it's really a catch-22 if you're a guy marking Firmino. Right. Carlito, where do you put Firmino in the, uh, against the Premier League's best in terms of strikers? Uh, see, I just don't rate him as a striker. I rate him as a creative player. He's certainly a top-five creative player in the league for me. Mm-hmm. But as far as strikers go, I got to go with Jamie Vardy as number one. Harry Kane is two, and Tammy Abraham is three. Why are you putting Harry Kane over Tammy? That must hurt. No, no. Tammy's only been doing it for six months. Harry Kane's been doing it for six years. That's true. Uh, One thing I do want to mention about Robertson, though, is that he – I think he has looked better defensively in the past because he does have that luxury of having Virgil van Dyke on his side. So he's not nearly targeted as much as Trent Alexander-Arnold is, given Mm -hmm. that recent play with Gomez has definitely helped his cause, but – I think Trent is targeted much more so. So he's going to obviously lose a few battles here and there uh, that does, suscept- it does uh, make him susceptible to criticism. But, mm-hmm. no, I think, I think Robertson has definitely struggled in the, couple, in the past couple of games. But, uh, obviously, going forward, he's, he's absolutely immense. Yeah. But, I mean, going to United really quick, I mean, <laughs> dude, that was kind – of, there, there was times in that game where it was, like, really bad to watch, man. Like, yeah. I mean, Maguire looked really bad at times. Um, you know, Juan Bersaka was good and bad, I thought. But Herrera, I mean, if that guy wasn't Brazilian, like, oh, my God. Like, he was absolutely terrible, too. And then Martial, I mean, shades of himself, really. I mean, he was only there in spurts. I mean, I will say, when he got the ball, he did he, – he tried to do everything he could. He had no help around him. David James stinks. I mean, this team needs a lot of work. Yeah, Carl, Carlito, what are your thoughts on United? Okay, well, I'm going to look at it from more of a historical perspective. Last time they won the title was 2012. And that was one of the worst teams in the history of the league to win the title. If you look back 
that team and that roster and how they actually pulled that off, I have no idea. Because mm-hmm. it was really, really not just depleted. There was no bench. And some of those players were on their last legs at the end of their career. But that just is a testament to how great Sir Alex Ferguson is. So since then, they've had four managers. Okay? And every single time they bought a player, and this started with buying uh, Angel Di Maria. They yep. have been so inconsistent in hitting that target on whether that was a good buy or not. I still think Paul Pogba could have been a good buy, but he fucking hates United. And they yes, hate he him. Does. Yep. He definitely yeah. hates him now. But that was one of my questions, though. I mean, have any of Ollie's players or even United so over the past four managers, like you said, have you seen any player other than maybe Rashford really improve his game? Um, I would have said Jesse Lingard last year, but he's become abysmal. <laughs> he's terrible. He's, he's so terrible. Bad, he's terrible. He's going he was, backwards. He no, he is going backwards. But I really wanted to say this. Do you guys know who the most expensive player in history of the Premier League is? It's Harry fucking Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That's absurd. Yeah, How dude. did he cost a hundred million dollars? That's an absolute know, it's a joke, dude. It's an absolute joke. And now he's captain of the Manchester United side after six months. It's unbelievable. Not only does he lack awareness at times, he's one of the slowest players on the field. And he's a center back. <laughs> How does that work? He's not the most handsome fella either. <laughs> oh, my God. He looks oh like a Oh, my God. He is so ugly. <laughs> he does look like a Lego. That's no, no. I, I, remember in the Batman Lego movie where, yeah. where the Batman eats the piece of lobster and he goes, I deserve this. I deserve this today. <laughs> Oh my he looks God. like a Lego. It's Harry Maguire. I deserve this. Dude, I'm putting that into my Twitter post. Harry Maguire <laughs> looks like a Lego. That's oh, my uh, God. That's so good. Yeah, Lastly, I want to mention about this, and we'll move on to City Palace. But, uh, Carlito, I mentioned this to you a little earlier, but uh, Timo Warner has been linked with Liverpool and yeah. Chelsea. And a recent report from Bill, the sport of uh, a German reporter, said that Timo prefers Liverpool. Sure, on paper, but when they buy him, if they do, which I think will be around you know, the $60 million release clause, plus I'm sure they'll do some add-ons and some bonuses. But if you were to purchase him in his contract, he would have to be guaranteed starts. And I don't think Klopp is going to do that, and I don't think he is going to start in this Liverpool team. Right now with that front three, it's too fluid. The chemistry is too palpable. Yeah, but Stephen, going to you, uh, you know, Sadio Mane's, I think he's 27, 28 right now. Salah's 28. Firmino's 28, 29. Mm-hmm. And Africa Cup of Nations is next year. A guy like mm-hmm. Timo, he could get some serious time. Well, and, and that's also that's like another thing. You know, when Klopp was at Dortmund, he did a lot of the same things of doing a 4-3-3 and then at times doing a 4-2-3-1. But I think with, you know, rumors of maybe Gini Ronaldo might be out next year. You know, bringing mm-hmm. in, bringing in a guy like Minamino who can play anywhere across that like you know, attacking front three, and then now being linked to a guy like Timo Warner that you could naturally kind of move into a four-two-three-one where you have Warner in the nine, Firmino in the ten, Salah and Mane yep. out wide, and then Fabinho and Henderson um, as the two holding guys, and yeah. then and then you have Minamino as your first guy off the bench. You can go in for any one of those three guys, and then Divock Origi can go in for Timo Werner. So you still have a lot of flexibility with that. And like you said, with the you know African Cup of Nations, there's going to be that you know month and a half, two month stretch where he's going to play every game. 
Yeah, they would miss six games. No, I, I definitely would like to see if he, if he does join the squad, Warner up top and maybe even like Carlito and yourself said earlier, um, putting Firmino in the 10 because he can definitely play that. He basically already, he already does play he, that. He already does play that. Yeah, yeah. but he'd, he'd also be a really good pickup for Chelsea though too. Um, I mean, holy shit. I mean, his his movement too up front with Tammy would be yeah. great for them. Oh, he yeah, run. he's – he He's got pay, pace for just for days. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and he scores goals like it's his job. Oh, it is his job. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, next, we have City against Palace. Um, 2 2 on this one. Goals from Tosun. Aguero had two. And then at the last minute, I think it was 90 plus four. Fernandinho had an own goal off of mm-hmm. a uh, Wilfred Woo. Zaha cross. Carlito, that's your boy. That's um, my boy. Steven, we've said all season that Palace are tough to play against, especially when they're at their home turf. But they went to the Etihad and got a result. Like, absolutely incredible. Um, City have always had trouble with this team. They dominated possession in this game, 72% to City. 25 shots with six on target. Um, Carlito, what's, what's, what's wrong with City this year? I have a couple different thoughts on this. Thank you for going to me first. Number one... <laughs> Number one, and this is not just exclusive to Pep Guardiola. This is also a Jose Mourinho thing. There becomes serious fatigue between the third and the fourth year of any Guardiola or Jose Mourinho team. Agreed. If you ever saw the all-or-nothing Amazon docuseries on Manchester City, mm-hmm. when they Great won, series. Great un- series. Unbelievable. And Guardiola is cool as shit. Yeah, he's the But, man. yeah. But and this was when this was when they won the league convincingly, not like last year, but this was this was two years ago, and you could just tell that Guardiola is exhausting to be around, and his tactics, although very brilliant, they're actually a little restrictive, and you How can so? tell uh, because you're going to have to do exactly what he wants you to do. Same thing when I look at a player like Leroy Sané. I don't think those two get along at all because Guardiola wants him to do one thing and Sané wants to do another thing. Okay, so there's that. There's also this. Gabby Jesus is not the player they thought when they bought him. He is not the heir apparent to uh, Brazilian Ronaldo or... Uh, Bebeto or Romario or now Sergio Aguero. He is not that guy. Maybe he will be eventually. He's 22, I believe. But currently, I, I don't think he's a starting striker for any top four team. Hmm. Um, Sergio Aguero is getting older. Sergio Aguero and Pep Guardiola have notoriously had a fractured relationship ever since he first came to the club. Yep. They've, they've never gotten along. And I feel like that, coupled with the fact that their defense is completely decimated <clears> – <throat> John Stones is also not the player that they thought when they bought him. It's a, it's a perfect storm of a lot of different things coming together. And you know what? I think they also believe that Pep Guardiola is going to be leaving pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, I heard today recently there was a report coming out that uh, UEFA or maybe it was FIFA might actually punish them for FFP. No uh, shit. They might revisit that. So they wouldn't be banned next year, I read. It would be the year after. And coincidentally, that is uh, Guardiola's last year on his contract. Yeah. So big things could be happening in that city. But, Stephen, going back to this game, um, I think this proves that City have been kind of hot and cold this year. But everybody played for them. You know, Sterling was playing. Aguero was playing. Mm-hmm. The two Silvas were playing. You know, what's their excuse this time? 
Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's just, I think you have to kind of look at the other side and just look at Palace. I mean, the last two years, Palace has not been afraid to play them. I and mean, even, uh, to, you know, Tosun, you know, recently came over to Palace. I think this is his first or second game with them. And he's second part game, of a yeah. result like this. Yep. I mean, he comes out and after the game and says, you know, it, it's, it's nice playing with the team that's not afraid to go at City. Because all the teams I've played on in the past, we kind of settle for the three, like, you know, that we're going to lose and be set back and attack us all day. So it's really cool just to see a team like Palace. The last two years, they play them tough in all the games. So I think it really just goes to show that Palace just isn't afraid of them. And they know that when push comes to shove, they can compete with them. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of that great 1980 U.S. hockey game against the Russians where Coach oh, Herb Brooks was saying, you can't just sit back and defend these bastards. You need to attack. You got to attack. You got to yes. attack. And that's yes. exactly what the city squad is. You got to attack them, especially with this defense right now. I will say, though, I think the big thing missing for them is Fernandinho in the midfield. Yep. Because mm. it is so easy for midfielders now to kind of drift past Rodri or, Gundog- or Gundogan. Um, they just don't have that defensive capability that Fernandino has. And clearly he is not a center back. I mean, he's doing the best he can. He's organiz- organizing that defense as much as he can, but he's not a center back. He's a center defensive mid. And unfortunately, I think his last season at City is going to be on uh, in that back four, which, which sucks for him. Yeah. So Rodri is their most expensive player. Is he just not panning out? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's kind of maybe. I think he started up first. Can we just try to limit the background noise? I don't know if that's Steven or, or you, Carl. It is. It is Steven. No, that was me. Sorry about that. Um, but no, I think ever since he signed, I think he's kind of taken a little while to get used to the league and get used to Guardiola's system. I mean, that's not an easy system to get used to. Yeah, he's in the center of the park, but the way the fullbacks come into the midfield and he's constantly having to cover for them, I think it's a very difficult task to ask somebody who's brand new like that. Um, so that's one of the issues for me. I don't know if you had any thoughts, Steven. No, I mean, I just think with all the injuries they've had, they've, they haven't really had a chance to play all together either. You know what I mean? So I think it's just a number of things like with all their injuries and again, maybe a little bit of the Guardiola effect and just kind of, just kind of like everything he's saying, just not comprehending just don't really give a shit anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it may be just a little bit of everything. And then just seeing a team like Liverpool who, who they're trying to compete with and like, they never slip up and they always get that, you know, that bounce at the end to get that goal or whatever, you know, and they're not getting it this year. I think it's just like, God damn, you know, I think that's just kind of what it is right now. Yeah. (laughs) Carl, are you, um, or Carlito, are you surprised that city haven't made any, any signings this January yet? Are you expecting some big signings this summer? Uh, They might still go for Nathan Ake if we don't trigger his release clause. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, they'll what, if our release clause is forty million, they'll pay forty million in one dollar. So there you go. Yeah, trying to pull an Arsene Wenger on Suarez type of thing. Yeah, a little, little bit. So my whole thing with Rodri is, I don't think they properly scouted him. I don't think the vetting process was comprehensive enough. I don't think that mentally he's sharp enough or acute enough. And then the league itself—he's coming from a much more passive league. This yeah, one where did is, he come from? La Liga. Yeah. 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 Where, what team do you play for? Oh, fuck. Sevilla, I believe, or, or uh, Genoa. Oh, man. I'll, I'll have to check on that. But I know he he did come from La Liga. Yeah. Okay. Spanish footballer Rodri plays for Manchester City. And, oh, he came from Atletico. Oh, did he? Okay. 
So he was he was at Villarreal, which I actually. Knew well, there you go. Know. Though that's two completely different styles of play. Completely different. Atletico Madrid couldn't be more polar opposite of Manchester City. Yeah, they're a very defensive, counterattacking team with uh, Simeone in there, and then you go to Guardiola's only attack, only possession. It's completely different. Well, yeah, but if you're going to buy a player, you want to make sure that he fits the system. Oh, 100%. and like I said, I don't think they properly vetted him. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's move on to Burnley versus Leicester. Burnley were at go- home 2-1. Uh, to one. They got the W here. Goals from Barnes for Leicester that kicked it off for uh, Leicester City. Then Wood and Westwood come back for Burnley. I think this is the Burnley that we have thought we were going to see all season. Um, they're physical. They're scrappy. They're ultra-defensive. They're a counterattacking team. Ginger Mo gets them hyped up for literally every game. Um, Vardy missed a PK, so Leicester had a chance to tie it up. Um, and, you know, Leicester missed some big opportunities, and the big opportunity, number one, was to gain points on City after they tie with Palace. But, um, Stephen, going to you, the last three games for Leicester, they tied Aston Villa in the uh, Carabao Cup. They lost to Southampton, and now they lose to Burnley. Is it time to worry if you're Brennan Rodgers? Yeah, I think, I think it is a little bit. I mean, and it goes back to what we said last episode with, uh, with Shane and just how much they're going to be missing in DD and how important it is to what yeah. they try to do. You know, they, they like to do that 4-1-4-1 formation, and when you don't have a guy like Ndidi, you kind of really have to, in my opinion, you have to really change things up. And he was really a cog in the middle. And not mm-hmm. having that guy to go to and not having that kind of first line of defense before, um, you know, Johnny Evans and uh, Soyuncu, I think that's his name. Soyuncu, um, yeah. yeah, so I think that's really the biggest thing. And then with Vardy, you know, he's still trying to kind of get back into it after missing like two or three games in a row there. So I think it's just all these things hitting at once. And Burnley, again, we talked about Burnley at home. It's a tough place to go. And uh, shout out to Chris Wood for getting that goal because you talked about shit about him last week and yeah, he just got out and got a goal. So <laughs> we, we, we talked a lot of shit about him last week. <laughs> well, they interesting enough that uh, the guy in the midfield for them, Mendy. Um, yeah, I thought he actually played pretty well, but obviously he's no Wilfred and Didi. Um, I think you and Shane were spot on last week, and even tonight, Stephen, saying that mm-hmm. it's definitely somebody that they, that they miss in the uh, in the middle of the park, but. Um, Carlito, going to going to you. You're quoted on your podcast, the London is Calling podcast, as saying that Leicester City are pretenders. Yeah, they're the Houston Rockets. Um... <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> All right, so what does that mean? Uh, that means that they'll get a few results, but they'll never win when it really matters. And I feel like they started pretty well. They're thin, though, Andrew. They're they are thin, man. And you could just totally tell, like you said. That cog, that midfield play, when he's not there, they're a completely different team. Okay? On, and I was, have been on record saying that Jamie Vardy is still my player of the season, but I feel like he's petering out a little bit too. And as he goes, they go. Mm-hmm. He's the undeniable leader, heart and soul of this team. Okay? And everything that they do, their success is entirely predicated on how he performs because if he performs well, he galvanizes the rest of the troops and they respond in kind. Okay. So if he's not on it, they're not on it. And I feel like they're really a sixth or seventh place team. And when the dust settles, they will be out of the top four. I think it will be Manchester United bringing up the rear in the fourth spot. I think Chelsea will be third. You think United get into the top four even with, uh, without Rashford for two to three months? Yep. Wow. All right. I think, the, I think they're going to buy somebody. I'm writing that down. We're going to save that for the archive. 
<laughs> revisit at the end of the season. Uh, but no, I completely agree. And the big thing for Lester, I think, is they have three more games in January. And yeah. each, each has, I think, two to three days in between it. So they have yeah. two Premier League games, and then they have the replay or the second leg of the Carabao Cup against Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And then in February, they play against Chelsea, Wolves, City, and Norwich. So, I mean, these, these guys have some big, big games coming up. And if they want European football, which I think that Rodgers obviously does and everybody at Leicester City does, they need to buck the fuck up. Um, Steven, what do, you think, what do you think is a good result if you're Brendan Rodgers or a good standing in the league at the end of the season if you were looking at it at the beginning of the season? If looking at it from the beginning of the season, that's a good question. I think, I think Europe, I think anywhere in Europe, you would be happy if you're looking if you're looking back at the beginning of the season, right? But but now, if you're look, looking back, like looking at it now, it, you, it has to be top four. Oh, it has to be top four, especially to with the four. inconsistencies of United and Spurs. I don't think Sheffield and Wolves have what it takes to make it to the top four yet. Maybe next year, but yet. I mean, Carlito, would you agree with with Stephen there? Sure. Uh, absolutely, but whether they want it or not, I don't think it's going to happen. So there was one thing I wanted to say. I wanted to bring this up on the podcast. You remember the movie Dodgeball? Mm-hmm. White White Goodman had that painting of himself in his office behind his desk. Taking the bull by the horns, yeah. Taking the bull by the horns. It's, ha- it's how I live my life. That actually um, happened. <laughs> Brendan Rogers has a similar painting in his office of himself. <laughs> <laughs> That is not a joke. That is not a joke. And that actually happened. Yes, that is real. I saw that on the Liverpool documentary that Clive Owen narrated about five, no, six or seven years ago when Brendan Rodgers had two envelopes and he was looking at right at Andy Carroll when he said this. He says, I wrote two names down in this envelope and these two players are going to disappoint me because they lack character. That was his whole thing was character. Dude, oh, I got well, so dude, annoying oh here. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing with Rodgers, man. He and then we talked about this on a few episodes back. Anyway, I just he's not a big game coach, and like when the going gets tough, like I don't think he's good enough tactically to get it done. I think he comes in with like some decent like game plans going into it, but I think if the game plan doesn't work, he can't adjust. Right, a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, just looking at the table right now, though, Chelsea are still six points back. I think Chelsea take over third place by the end of the season. Yeah, but Leicester still have eleven points on Manchester United and Wolves. I think that 11 points is really, really tough for United to make up, especially without Rashford. So I think Leicester still hold on to fourth. I mean, obviously we'll see by the end of the season, though. Yeah, but if they get Edinson Cavani, they could make a push. Uh, United? Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow, that'd be huge. That'd be crazy. I just don't know. Why would he want to leave, though, now? Like, Why would he want to leave for, for United in January? when he could probably leave in the summer and still have the Champions League with PSG and stuff. I think he'll st- I think he'll get another contract. And dude, Mauro Icardi is their guy. Oh, I, I know. Think. Cavani has been entirely ostracized. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever really gotten along with Neymar. So, no. at this point, I think he just kind of cuts his losses, gets paid, goes to United, hangs out, maybe scores some goals, but uh, I mean, I don't think PSG hangs are going to go I don't think PSG are going to go too far in the in the Champions League anyway. Hmm. Who, who do they play in the first round? 
Is it Dortmund? I think they played somebody like that. Yeah. All right, Carlito, we're moving on to your Blues. Uh, <laughs> they were away to Newcastle. They unfortunately lost one nothing. Hayden had the goal in the 90 plus four. I think it was a header off of a cross. Um, I was watching some of this game. I thought Chelsea absolutely dominated. They had 70% possession, 19 shots, mm-hmm. 10 corners. They just couldn't put the ball in the net. And I think that this was just basically <laughs> inconsistency for the Blues. They're a young squad. They're a great team. They're going to be great in the next few years. But give me a rundown of what happened in this game. Well, to be fair, Jurgen Klopp's first season at Liverpool, he got fucking eighth. So I'm oh, going to give Frankie – No, no, and that's, and that's just me saying – what happened with Liverpool as well is that they were a young team and that it's just growing pains. So there's this tweet that came out and I thought this was rather poignant. It said how to play against Chelsea set out with two banks of four sitting deep and compact play with at least one pacey striker, stay patient and disciplined at the back and wait for set pieces or put the ball over the top for aforementioned pacey striker to chase. That is it. So that's the blueprint, huh? <laughs> that's the blueprint. Nobody, none of these teams want to play against us. In every game this year, Chelsea has had the majority of possession. In every single Premier League game, including the one against Liverpool. And, and including the one against Manchester City. So it says, what is Chelsea's style of play? Chelsea's style of play there's a difference between what they want to do and what they're actually applying. They want to be a team that entirely dominates the midfield. They want to have 65% possession. They don't want to play the ball over the top. They are not a terribly direct team. They are a lot more Barcelona than Real Madrid when, when Madrid had Ronaldo. Sure. Okay. So that's, that's what they want to do is that we want to break teams down and intricately play the ball through them. And then, you know, obviously we have pace on the wings when we want. Tammy Abraham is a, unique striker and that he's 6'4 and he has speed. That's normally not a combination you have. But the problem is that one of the people playing the ball into the box, it says Cesar Azpilicueta. He's one of the most wooden, boring, and over-the-hill outside backs in the whole league, in a league that now prioritizes pace and crossing in the outside back position. And he has neither one of those skill sets anymore. In fact, he never had the crossing. Now, Reese James is a great crosser of the ball. I see him as a younger version of, of Arnold, um, but he's, he's obviously not there yet, and he's very injury-prone. So Chelsea loves to have the ball, and they love to make it look very pretty. But my dad called me at halftime of the Chelsea game and says, what the fuck is wrong with them? Why don't they shoot the ball? We want to walk the ball into the goal. It's an extremely difficult proposition to play intricately through a team that defends with nine. Most yep. of these teams do not want to actually play against us. They just want to defend because they know we will just run right into them and we can't break them down because there's too many players in the fucking box. Okay. But yet we won't change it up. We still just want to stick to that style. We still want to play the ball through them and make it look really good. And sure, when it's good, it's really good. But when it's not and when it's not effective and all of a sudden the 75th minute comes, everybody starts getting frustrated and that frustration leads through the immaturity of the team and the overall uh average age of the team and it just shines through for the last 20 minutes of every game everything is then rushed uh every pass all of a sudden becomes sloppy and every opportunity gets squandered that's the blueprint for us man and it's 
something that'll get better, but we need to buy. We need to buy players. Yeah, I think just looking at that midfield, something that's tough and you, you kind of touched on it was when you don't have a, a shot taker from outside the box, it really limits your ability to break down a defense. Because when you have a shot, yeah. someone who can take a shot, for like, it's like Frank Lampard used to do for Chelsea. That yeah. opens up the game so much because sometimes the center backs have to step, the center defensive mid has to step. It just opens up the game for the wings, for the other midfielders, and even for your striker. So that's definitely something that I think you guys miss right now. But my big question is, um, Steven, you can feel free to jump in here, but where the hell is Kovacic? I don't know. I don't know. I asked uh, Paul, and we had a guest on our show yesterday. His name's Andres from the Roman Empire podcast. I asked if Kovacic fucked Frank's girlfriend because <laughs> something's going on. This is three games in a row that he hasn't started, and he didn't he, he fucking play. And I always bring it back to this. When Paul says, oh, we need to rotate, we need to rotate, what do I always say in response to that? Sadio Mane and Mo Salah never sit. They never sit. Yep. So this rotation excuse is bullshit. Yeah. Steven, I mean, just letting you jump in here, do you think that's one of their best midfield options is when Kovacic is in that side? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, like, us three have this conversation all the time about the best midfields in the Premier League, and no question about it, when Kovacic is in there with Conte and Jorginho, they are right up there. They're one, two, or three, you know what I mean? Like, on their best day, so... Yeah, when you don't have to I – mean, he's not in there, and then you have the inconsistent – just call him Mr. Inconsistent now, Mason Mount. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just – you know what I mean? Like, it's, you're relying on, on Conte to do way more than I think he's actually comfortable with and Correct. what his skill set is. Correct. Yeah, I think he's very limited on the offensive side. Um, obviously, he's a great ball stopper. He's a great, you know, disruptor of play, but he can't – He's not a great passer of the ball, let's be honest. No, he's not going to yeah, he's not gonna beat a guy one-on-one, but go ahead. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, you know, Carl, feel free to hop in here, but I think it, it hurts Tammy Abraham the most is not, not having that creative guy behind him. And we talk about oh. it all the time with Rashford. You know what I mean? It's the same thing when he doesn't have Kovacic behind him. Oh, yeah. His lack of service is something that's been overly pronounced the entire season. He's isolated very often. This is where you'd want a player like Isco Alcaron from Real Madrid, right? And we are linked with him, but I don't think it's going to happen. When he's in there and he can break through the lines and he can play the balls off of Tammy Abraham the way that Hazard used to play with Diego Costa and Didier Drogba, you know, that's the type of thing that we need and we currently lack that. Mason Mount is a squad player. Mason Mount is not a starter. He's not even a top 15 player on our team. And Lampart seems to think that he's one of the best players we have. I don't know what's going on there, but I really don't like it. And I cannot imagine that his teammates liked it either. Because, like Andrew said, he's incredibly inconsistent. And when he is pressing, he runs himself out of a play. Mm -hmm. He will overpress (laughs) and overrun the entire play. And it's like, buddy. There's a profound disparity between working hard and working smart. I prefer that you work smart, and he won't do it. Well, here's a question for the two of you. Would you sell N'Golo Conte this summer? Yes. Right now, Paris Saint-Germain will pay 100 over $100 million for him. I wanted to sell him two years ago. I don't like N'Golo Conte. I don't like a midfielder that can't fucking pass, and that's a primary objective of the position. Um, so I think his value is going to be the highest right now. Yeah, but 
I also think you need to identify a player that you're going to replace him with. Because if you're not going to replace him with anybody, then that's, you're just moving backwards. Well, they didn't link with this guy. I mean, that seems like the perfect recipe for a Chelsea for the Chelsea team right now. Sell yeah. Conte for a hundred million and buy Isco. Yeah, I mean, if you do that, then yeah, I'm all for that. Sounds great. Yeah, then we'll, Isco's available for forty-seven, so we'll get great uh, return, and we'll have a player that really tries to fit what our style of play on paper is supposed to be. Because Conte is not a manipulator of the ball; he's a primitive player. He's a limited player, and he's always been that. And for us to try and force, you know, a square peg in a round hole, at this point, it's becoming so painfully obvious. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. Um, so, I mean, Carl is I – th- I think Reese James, great player. I think he's a – honestly, you said you kind of compared him to Trent. I think he's a perfect blend between Trent and Aaron Wambasaka. He has a defensive quality. He's a bigger guy. He can body the bigger forwards or the or the outside wings, and he can play the ball at his feet. Um, yeah. He went out in this game. Is he? Is that like a big injury or is it more of just a knock? You just said he was injury prone. Uh, he is injury prone, but Frankie in his presser today said he's available. Okay, so just okay. probably a knock. It was just a knock, but obviously more precaution than anything else, and we had Emerson available, so – I would have rather kept him in the game, but again, this is a kid that just signed his new deal. Everybody's very excited about him. We wanted to make sure he was okay. Yeah, you want to protect him, but for sure. All right, let's move on to Spurs. Great little Chelsea session there, boys. Um, but moving on to Spurs, zero zero. This game absolutely sucked. Uh, this was the second <laughs> game for Spurs without a goal in the Premier League. I think they continue to lose in the midfield. You know, you have Harry Winks, Deli Alley in this game, and Lo Celso. Lo Celso's actually been decently impressive, I think, for the most part. But Harry Winks, as you're holding mid, he's not the guy. He's, he's like, so bad. He's so bad. He's like 5'6". He's not going to win the ball for you. <laughs> yeah. Spurs are in eighth place. They have a tough uh, February coming up. They play City. They have uh, Champions League against Lights Big, which I think they're going to lose. No mm-hmm. question. And mm-hmm. then they play against the Blues. Steven, Spurs have no direction at the moment. Yeah, you know, this was, a, this was a, a weird week, but it's been kind of consistent. I feel like every time one of the top teams drops points, they all drop points. And, yeah. and this week, I think only two of, the top, uh, two of the teams in the top half got maximum points this week. Yeah. But, I mean, you look, at, you look at Tottenham, and that was a pathetic performance. And honestly, I'm starting to think that this whole Christian Eriksen situation – is making again it's like the Vatongan thing back at the beginning um all the rumors going around there and now with the exit rumors with Ericsson I think that's causing a big problem and now with no Harry Kane you know it's they're trying to figure out what's going on up top and we all thought that they might play better without Harry Kane but <laughs> we were completely wrong about that it was uh really really bad today I don't know. I think I think they played well against Liverpool for the most part. Uh, they definitely lacked, lacked some quality in some areas. But no, in this game, Stephen, I completely agree with you. This is a game where they needed Harry Kane. They needed that quality just to like put the ball in the back of the net, and they didn't have that this time. I mean, when Watford is, you know, set up in a low block, Harry Kane—that's where he thrives. You're not going to counterattack this Watford team when they're set up like that. So no, I mean, I completely completely agree with you on this in this game for sure. But. Ryan, going to you, um, I think that Watford have been very impressive ever since they got Nigel Pearson in. Um, yeah, I yeah, totally agree. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm so partial to Troy Deeney. I just I just love the player. He just seems like an old school cat, and I think he seems cool as shit. We also got a former player, uh, Nathan Chalaba, uh, used to play with Chelsea as well. Delafeu, who I think is linked with an exit. I don't know why they would want to sell Delafeu. He probably wants uh, to leave. He's that could be it. I mean, he came from Barcelona, right? Yeah. And they're Watford's in seventeenth place, which is better than where they were. Um, yeah, my whole thing with them is that if they continue to grind out results like this, which they are very capable of doing, like you said, if they're playing with a low block and you have a moose like Dini up top, that will get you enough points. The threshold you want to get to to stay above relegation is forty points. That's the sweet spot. And if Pearson can get them to that, he has done an exceptional job. Yeah, I mean, they were 19th when he came in. I think they had like 17 points or something like that. Now they have 23. They are still one point out of relegation, but they've definitely made some huge strides. Mm -hmm. Um, Aston Villa below them now. But no, I completely agree. Nigel Pearson has been unreal for this Watford team. and I think they're only going to get better. Yep. But Steven, I mean, one of the – more optimistic viewpoints of Spurs might be this this Tanganga kid. I mean, he played really well against Liverpool, and th- then Jose moves him to left back in this game. I think they might have figured out some defensive issues here. No, yeah, I think so too. No, I think so too. I thought he played a really good game, and we've been talking about that left that left back spot too, um, and how it's been kind of a rotating door since Mourinho's gone uh, gone in. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this kid might have um, you know got himself a future here. So I read today that Danny Rose and Mourinho had a had a, a nice spat. spat, a nice yeah. spat. Oh yeah, <laughs> what happened? I didn't. I didn't read that. No, we were talking about that, like why he hasn't been playing, like because right. and yeah, but I guess it finally it was came a spat. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I also heard that the Spurs players were siding with Jose. Really? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yo, Danny Rose is not terribly likable. Like, well, he does have not. a great left foot, though, and I think that's something that they're missing. They're listening. They're missing that distribution from the left side, and you know, yeah. I don't think Tanganga can give it to them either. But just staying on Spurs real quick, and Jose, I did uh, listen to a video earlier when he left Manchester United. He went on to BT Sport, I think, or uh, Match of the Day, one of those one of those talk shows, and he was saying that his next managerial job, he will make sure that that team has direction and focus, and he joined Spurs. And I don't know if they have that at all. No. So maybe I'm reading too much in the lines here, or maybe they're going to make some moves in January. Maybe they'll make some moves in, in uh, over the summer, but they do not have any direction at the moment. Yeah. No, but Go we, ahead. Keep, we keep talking about, you know, moves in January, moves in January. And the last like four episodes, I, I keep saying, like, I think whoever wins the, the this window is going to make a serious move for the top four. And nobody's doing anything major. I mean, even with like Bruno Fernandez, like that's looking like it may not even happen for United at this point. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, do you guys think it's just just how business business is now, and you have to wait until the very end? Like, what, yeah, I think numbers. Think I think on? numbers get seriously inflated in January because they know teams are desperate, especially when teams lose to the Premier League. They know that these Premier League teams have the money to spend especially yeah. like a Manchester United. So Sporting are probably boosting that number for Bruno Fernandes by $20 million, just because they know United will pay it. Yeah, I mean, perfect example is Fernando Torres, right? Yeah. When we bought him from you guys for $55 million, it's, I mean, it was 20 too much. So one of the players that they actually have purchased recently, Tottenham, and 
he got some time in this game was Gedson Fernandez. Yep. Uh, he looked okay. He's okay. I don't think he even uh, practiced with them yet, but yeah, he looked, he looked yeah. all right. We'll see. We'll see about that. It's for me, this Lo Celso kid, I thought he was going to come in and be a world beater immediately. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's – again, where did he come from? Did he come from La Liga as well? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't know where he came from. But I think it's really difficult for a lot of these players to adjust to the Premier League. I mean, look at Fabinho. Look at Jorginho. Pepe. Look at Pepe. Like, it, it takes some time. It takes a good couple of months and maybe even six months in, a, in accounts to Pepe. But uh, it takes some time to adjust to the Premier League. It's not an easy league to play in. And I think uh, Carlito, didn't Pepe – didn't uh, Kepa said something about that recently? Who? Your goalkeeper, Kepa. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He said that the Premier League is streets ahead of the other leagues in many different capacities. Number one being just the physicality. We all know that, but for a player that's been high profile for both La Liga and the Spanish national team, and now for Chelsea, which is you know one of the most important teams in England, for him to come out and say that and put you know what we all thought the whole time, you know, him putting a face to that quote is very telling, you know, and, and, and not just the physicality, the speed of play, oftentimes the speed of the players themselves. Yeah. It's all there and it's all more difficult than La Liga, which, you know, the, the refs are there to protect the stars. The game itself is more languid, certainly not as physical. Um, so yeah, England is just a different animal. And this is something we've always known. But, oh, uh, Lo Celso came from Rosario, by the way. Rosario, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, finally, let's tackle the last London team, uh, Arsenal. I don't know if somebody has TV on in the background. Um, uh, I think it's my roommate, so this man wants to say. Oh, no worries. Uh, Arsenal was at home to Sheffield. They drew 1-1 goal from Martinelli and a goal from Fleck. Um, I thought this was a great game to watch. It was early on in the morning. Sheffield are the real deal. I think they're in sixth or seventh place right behind Wolves. Um, But it did take a brilliant, brilliant goal by Fleck to draw the Gunners. I mean, that that side volley that he took that bounced off the ground and went up to the upper corner was unreal. Uh Like, unbelievable technique. And one thing I noticed with this game, Mustafi did play, and he didn't fuck up. So, Arteta must be doing something right. Steps in the right direction. Ryan, I mean, every time we're watching this game, and I I know you're watching it, you're always texting me saying, THE Arsenal, in all caps. (laughs) So, this is something that when Paul and I, my co-host on London is Calling Podcast, when we had my friend Sean Aslett on, this was about a month and a half ago, he's a big Arsenal fan, and this was right, you know, as Unai Emery, good evening, is, uh, is about to get fired, right? And I went through the three managers that I thought um, should take over for this position. And my number one was Mikel Arteta, but I didn't think he was ever going to leave Manchester City. I thought that when Pep was done with his time in Man City. It could be in six months. It could be in 18 months, but he will certainly be leaving. I thought Arteta was absolutely going to be the guy that took over as his heir apparent. But So I never thought that Arsenal could get Mikel Arteta. But if they could, he would be the number one guy for me. I love Mikel Arteta. I loved him as a player, both as a domestic player and as an international. Um, So, yeah, I think that he will turn this around. I don't think he likes some of the players that play for him, in particular his defenders like David Luiz. 
and his center mid, Matteo Ganduzzi. This player, Matteo Ganduzzi, is the worst player in the English Premier League. He is the <laughs> worst player in the league. Well, Shane was quoted last week as saying that Ganduzzi has a great talent but he has no brains, <laughs> 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 which is very true, which is very it's not true. the only thing he's lacking. Okay. He's lacking some clippers. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I can't stand the kid. I like Torreira. I actually like Jaka. They should not, sh- they should not sell Jaka. They I should keep Jaka. They should sell Matteo Ganduzzi. This guy fucks up any momentum that you have in the midfield. Shane was totally right. The dude gets the ball. And then he does a triple-double axle 360, and then he goes forward. He completely fucks the momentum. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough to watch in the midfield. But, Steven, I mean, Carlito is spot on, and especially in that midfield. But um, one thing that's been impressing me has been their outside backs. They're, they're young, yes. they're talented, and they're very confident. And I think they remind me of Robertson and Trent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, the entire vibe around this team and how they've been playing since Arteta took over – kind of reminds me of how Liverpool played when Klopp did take over. Like, they were playing a much more exciting brand of soccer to watch, and you know, now you're watching Arsenal, and you kind of get in the shades of how they were playing, you know, in the early 2000s with just a lot of ball movement, a lot more fluidity. And I think now, like, Arteta's come in, you're starting to see more of that, and they have a lot – they do still have a lot of talent, and now they're scoring goals, but they're still making those mental mistakes. So now it's just, you know, kind of continuing to build on this, finding what you can work with, finding what you can't work with this summer, bringing in some more talent and then just developing on this because you're starting to see the shades of what's what's potentially there. And right now, like if I wasn't if I wasn't a Liverpool fan and if I couldn't pick City, you know, my first option would be Chelsea. But now I'm starting to think that my second option might be Arsenal because they're starting to look like they got some real talent there. Yeah. And you have to remember that Arteta, I don't even think he's been there for a month yet. No. Right. And he's done an incredibly good job in that in that time. Um, I think when he has a full preseason under his belt, like Carlito said, when he has the players that he wants, this team mm-hmm. is going to be completely different, and they're going to be a dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah, don't don't be surprised that they also bid for Nathan Ake as well. I think he's the perfect profile of center back for what Mikel Arteta wants to do. He wants to be Pep Guardiola 2.0. Right, they they want to play out of the back. He wants to play with more tempo than Good Evening played with. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I I knew that Mikel Arteta was gonna do the business and do it early. Now, it, I think it's gonna take two years, but this Arsenal team will be back into contention for top four within two years. Mark my words, and they're gonna give Mikel Arteta a lot of time to do it because guess what? First and foremost, he is an Arsenal man. Yep. Okay. Unai Emery was never an Arsenal man. He didn't speak the language. He didn't understand the culture of English football, and in particular, the fans of Arsenal. Okay. Mikel Arteta, through and through, is a gooner. I completely so, agree. He's definitely the guy to take them forward, and uh, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table in the next few years. But I am too. Let's move on to some other score lines to uh, round up the, the recap for, for game week 23. Um, Brighton, we're at home to Aston Villa. 1-1 tie. We saw goals from Troussard and Jack Grealish, your boy. Um, I thought this was a good bounce back for Aston Villa. They lost to City 6-1 the prior game. Uh, and then to tie a tough Brighton side away is definitely a good result. Um, unfortunately for them, they're still in relegation, still in 18th place, but only one point out. 
Um, Stephen, you want to take over for Norwich Bournemouth? Bournemouth. Yes, our boy Pokey. Pokey back on the score, score sheet. I have missed saying that. I love our man there. Kind of a crazy game with a red card for each team, but I mean, really, the story today. We know what Norwich is. We know how they're going to play, but Bournemouth is in trouble. And uh, honestly, they do deserve to go down uh, uh-huh. across the board. I don't know. I don't think Eddie Howe has been doing a good job. All the players that they've brought in have been pretty bad. I mean, they paid. 20 million, 20 million pounds for Dominic Solanke. Like, that's absolutely yeah. terrible. I think they yeah. paid another 12 or 13 for Jordan Ibe, and is he even on the roster still? I don't know. Yeah. Ryan Frazier is a shell of himself. Uh, Josh King and Caleb uh, Wilson are never healthy together. So it's just a number of things, and the entire back line's beat up. But they're in trouble, and they're probably going to go down. I think they're in big, big trouble if they go down, too, because a lot of these players are going to leave. So when they go yep. to the championship, they are screwed. They're mm-hmm. absolutely screwed. Yep. Oh, yeah. Callum Wilson's not staying. No. Ryan Frazier's no not going to stay. No I mean, way. Harry Will- obviously, Harry Wilson's not going to be there anymore. Nathan Ake is going to be gone. Nathan, yeah. yeah, Ake will that, be gone. The kid in the middle, Billings, he's, he's going to be a solid player. He's definitely going to be gone. Yep. Yeah, I got to call out Shane Samwell on this one. Eddie Howe was on his short list for coaches, and I immediately said, why? Why? He has done nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were outperforming, I think, for maybe three years, but I think it's finally caught up with them with all the injuries. Yeah, but they have the best roster they've ever had. Yeah. No, I so, think it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah. Carlito, why don't you tackle Southampton against Wolves? I love Wolves, man. Wolf, Wolverhampton Wanderers are the fastest team in the English Premier League. And this is actually very telling because when they played against Liverpool, it was it was a shootout at the OK Corral. Oh, it was a dogfight. It fight. was back and forth and back and forth. Wolves are performing precisely as they should. I believe that they're fifth place, right? They're sixth place. So they're, they're right behind Manchester United. They're right where they should be. They're in the hunt to get into the Europa League. I really like the team. I hope that the players that they have stay there. Adama Traore is proving to be one of the most interesting men in European football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you want to know who he is? He's Derek fucking Henry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he oh, is. my God. He really Apparently does. Apparently he doesn't look which I do not believe. Yeah, I don't yeah believe well, that. neither did Rondell. Okay, so get out of here. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Shout out, Rondell. Shout out, Rondell. Shout out. Shout out Derek, too, right? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, So, yeah, look, I just want to say that with Wolves, Jimenez, is he going to stay? I I hope so, man. He's he's really good. But I wouldn't be surprised, though, if, um, you know, like one of the top four teams in La Liga, if they gave him an offer, if he took it, I wouldn't be surprised. If they get get Europe, I think he stays. I know Barcelona has been sniffing around him. Yeah, Yeah, they, they want a higher quality player than that, though. Higher profile player, too. Sure, but I think the quality is there. Profile, yeah. not so much. Well, anyway, uh, Southampton were up 2 nothing, and Wolves came back and won 3-2. Menes had, yep. a, Menes had a brace, so great comeback from them. And they're, uh, they're playing in Liverpool this weekend. Uh, shut, shut out Southampton, though. They, they still play a pretty good game, even though they blew a 2 nothing lead. Yeah. yeah. They've definitely there's, another, there's another manager that's kind of turned it around for them. For sure. Yeah. Uh, last game of the game week 23, West Ham at home to Wolves. This game tied again 1-1. There's a lot of ties and a lot of draws in this match mm-hmm. or in this game yeah. week. But uh, Diop had a goal. Calvert-Lewin had a goal. 
Moyes against his former side. I didn't watch this game, and I didn't really give a shit about it. So, yeah, these two these two teams tied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, instead of talking about this game, can we talk about Arsenal fan TV for a second? Yep. Yeah, we can go back to Arsenal. Okay, so you said notables, AFC TV. I did. Okay, why? So there's a big thing going on right now at Arsenal with AFC TV. Um, They've been kind of like the – I don't know if a lot of people know about AFC TV. They're basically – after the match, they go outside with a, with a camcorder, with a microphone. They ask the Tottenham fans or the Arsenal fans the questions, and they yeah. give their honest responses. And it's usually people being really pissed at their owner, Granky, uh, Cranky, and um, basically being pissed off with the team. And everybody's giving their honest remarks. Now, everybody at the games at the Emirates have been chanting, Arsenal fan TV, get out of our club. So that's a big thing. Go ahead, Carly. You wanted to go. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you haven't heard this? It's the board, Robbie! <laughs> Fucking hell, Robbie! <laughs> yeah, so they it's just the think that there is... I think that they that the fans think that there's a lot of pessimism surrounding Arsenal there fan is. TV. But it, honestly, that's all it, Arsenal have been the past three or four seasons ever since Wenger left. It's been a bunch of pessimism. There's been no, no optimism. So I think, uh, I think Arsenal fan TV have, has just been giving the fans the truth. And I think it's a great platform, to be honest. I am going to have to say that they constantly say Arsenal doesn't spend. That is such bullshit. Oh, yeah. They, they literally just paid $75 million for Nicola Pepe. Yeah. But yet they don't spend, and it's the board, and it's Josh Kroenke, and all these fucking guys. Dude, Kroenke does spend. What are you talking about? That is such a crutch and such a bullshit misdirection argument. Okay, that is nonsense. That is you making excuses that aren't really there. Arsenal have absolutely spent the past two seasons. And for them to say, we don't spend, the board doesn't care, our owner cares about his other six teams. He literally owns six other teams, like in Colorado. Yeah, but, nuts. yeah it's wild. And he's married to a, a, a Walton. Lucky <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> but it is such... A misnomer that they don't spend. They do. But Arsenal Fan TV traffics in negativity. Right. And no. it's it's troops, it's Robbie, it's DT. Okay, it's those guys because they get the most views, so they get all this extra exposure. I don't think Arsenal, you know, London is a posh town. I don't think they want to be represented by these knuckleheads. Yeah, but I mean, even think about it. Like you said, though, the last two or three years, they brought in Lacazette, Aubameyang, uh, Mkhitaryan, uh, you know, Nicholas Pepe, Leno. So like, they've they've brought in the guys. So Torreira. Torreira. I mean, the maybe the problem was is you know, like we said earlier, Emery was a terrible coach with terrible tactics. Like maybe that maybe that's what the problem was. And also, but they were doing the same thing for like the last three or four years under Wenger too. They were completely miserable under him. So just a miserable lot, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not the board. It's not the owner. It's the players. Yeah. It's the players. Yeah. I mean, well, the good thing for Arsenal, though, I think that there, things are being corrected very shortly with, with Mikel Arteta. But, no, that's totally If you agree. haven't seen any of the videos with Arsenal Fan TV and some of the uh, confrontations they've had with other supporters, you need to take a look because it can get a little nasty. They don't throw fists or anything, but there's some serious altercations. A lot of tattoos. A lot of tattoos. But, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's preview the games. We have some games tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, yeah. I'll take the first one. Bournemouth is at home to Brighton. I think that Bournemouth continue their losing streak. New, uh, losing streak. 
I think Brighton wins this game two to one. Bournemouth just don't have enough in them, and uh, Brighton need a win after that draw against Aston Villa. But um, Stephen, why don't you take Aston Villa against Watford? Awesome. Um, Villa not a big fan of anymore. Watford under Pearson completely revitalized. I'm going to take them convincingly to nothing. To nothing. Uh, Carlito, why don't you take Palace against uh, Southampton? Palace are at home. Okay, so Palace has 30 points. Southampton has 28. Both teams, it seems as though that they're going to stay above the relegation zone. I'm going to have to go with Crystal Palace just because they have some firepower up top that is more overwhelming than what Southampton brings, especially Wilfred Zaha on his day. He's the best dribbler in the entire league. So, What's this, what, do you, what do you have for a scoreline? 2 0. 2 0. All right, I'll take Everton against Newcastle. Everton are at home. Um, I'm taking a draw on this one. I don't think either team has it in them to get the W here, or get the three points. I'm going to go 1 1. Um, I think maybe Gilfie Sigurdsson gets a goal, and I hope John Joe Shelby gets a goal. I need a Shelby goal. Yes, we all do. Steven. No, we don't. <laughs> I love John Joe. I love dude, John Joe forever, man. Yo, he's the he's the white Charlie Villanueva. <laughs> oh my god, he really is. That's, That's so good. good. Steven so Sheffield good. at home to City. Man, this is gonna be. I have this game circled, man. This is gonna be an awesome one. Sheffield at home in the Sheffield playground against City. And those soft boys going in there. It's going to be a fun battle to watch. Um, oh, man, if City didn't just tie Palace, I would probably take Sheffield. But I think they're going to come out with a, a little bit more of a sense of urgency. They're going to mm. sneak away with a one nothing win. one nothing. Okay. All right, let's move on to our game of the week. Uh, Carly, I'll go to you first. Chelsea are at home to the Gunners. London Derby. And we won in very interesting fashion last time we played Arsenal. We had started with a 3-4-3. It was a horrendous misstep by Frank Lampard. As soon as we got scored on, it became overwhelmingly apparent that our two midfielders were going to be overwhelmed the rest of the game. Frank Lampard makes a sub, goes to 4-3-3, and the rest is absolutely history. We dominated the game as soon as he made that sub. Uh, Tammy Abraham had this... um, Unbelievable counterattacking goal, and I really hope that Mustafi starts because we will absolutely <laughs> crucify him. Everybody wants Mustafi to start. <laughs> He's got to start. He's got to start because Tammy will be all over his ass. All right, so you're taking Chelsea. What's the score? 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. All right, Chelsea are minus 130 in this game. Steven, who do you have? Uh, ooh, okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to take Chelsea in a 3-2 to two score line. But I'm going to put an asterisk on it because that's assuming Kovacic plays. If Kovacic doesn't play, then I'm going to say it's going to be a draw 2-2. Two to two. Yeah. That was exactly in line with my thing. I think Kovacic has to play this game. Um, I'm going to take Chelsea as well. I'm going to go Chelsea 2-1. to one. I think Willian gets a goal. He hasn't – I think he – I had him as my fantasy pick of the week last week, and I'm pretty pissed he didn't do anything. Nothing. Uh, he gets a goal <laughs> for me, and I think one of your defenders might get a goal as well. I think it might be uh, Rudiger. Or maybe mm. even uh, AC if he if he starts as well. But I'm well, going, hey, going going off of that. I'll oh, say sorry, sorry. Sorry. What was the scoreline? Uh, two to one. Two to one. Well, Bex, uh, what do you think is the possibility against a team like Arsenal with the Reese uh, James injury that you do a three four three again? Zero. Good. Good. I was hoping you'd say you that. You don't go back to that. Uh, no. Good. It's it's a gimmicky formation, and. My whole thing, you know, I have 12 years of coaching experience. 
And I find that anytime you have any type of formation, you have to have three center mids. If you win the midfield, you win the game. But in order to win the midfield, you have to win the math. And if you have a team that has good center mids like Arsenal, they have three, we have two, we will not win the game. Right. Period. Agreed. Good. I just wanted to make sure. Um, I'll take Leicester at home to West Ham. I think Leicester take care of business. They bounce back after their recent um, recent few games where they lost. Um, I'm going three to one Leicester. Uh, mm. Vardy gets a goal. Madison gets a goal. And maybe Tulemans gets a goal. Uh, Steven, let's go Spurs Norwich. Mm. Spurs Norwich. This is going to be a, a, another fun game, I think, because I think we're really going to miss like Tom's really going to miss Harry Kane in this game too because. Norwich is going to play at them, so you know they're going to. Norwich is going to get one, so Tottenham's going to have to go out and get a couple, and they're going to have to be creative to go get one. Um, I think I don't know if they're going to pull it out. I think it's going to be another draw under Mourinho, one to one. Yeah, I think if I think if Norwich get an early goal, I think the fans at, at Tottenham uh, Tottenham Stadium. I don't know what is it still called White Hart Lane. I don't, I don't think it is right. I think it's a different name to it now. But no, I think the fans really get on top of the players, and you know you'll start to hear some boos. Mourinho will start to feel some pressure. I think if Norwich gets an early goal, it's trouble for Spurs. I hope Deli Alley dies of gonorrhea and rots in hell. I thought you liked his resurgence, man. No, I was kidding. Um, I think it's Daniel Levy Emporium. Isn't that the new name of the stadium? <laughs> it probably should be. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? it should be. Uh, balance sheet FC. All right, let's get it popping. All right, Carlito, why don't you take uh, United at home to Burnley? Well, after Man United's recent dalliance with mediocrity, I'm gonna say that they continue to do such. Burnley two to one. Ooh, that's is that a bet of the week for you? Ah, uh, no. Nope. My bet of the week is coming next. Ooh. All right, and finally, uh, Stephen, you and I can both take this, and even Carly Doe if he wants. But uh, Wolves <laughs> are at home to Liverpool. I am taking Liverpool. They're going to win uh, two nothing. Wolves aren't going to score. It's going to be an early goal for Liverpool. Wolves are going to try to fight back, but we're going to get a late goal similar to the United game. Hmm. Dude, I don't know, man. I uh, this is the game for me that Liverpool could trip up um, and, and maybe get a draw. I, I think I think Wolves are going to get one. Liverpool on a streak of seven game, uh, seven straight clean uh, clean sheets. I think it's going to end today. Um, Liverpool edge it out two to one, late goal by Mane. Carlito, do you have anything to say here? I've got one thing to say. Adama Traore two, Liverpool one. Ooh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's round it off with the uh, round it up with the fantasy picks of the week and the bet of the week. Um, Carlito, let's start with you. Who's your fantasy pick of the week? A fantasy player? Oh, Adam Traore versus Liverpool. Just to continue, son of a bitch. <laughs> Steven, your fantasy pick? Uh, it's going to be a Vardy party against West Ham. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm going to go with my boy Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, I think he picks apart uh, the Wolves. Shoves it in Carlito's mouth and shoves it in Carlito's face. He gets uh, two assists in this game. It, you guys, you guys, it's not. You know, <laughs> I, was I knew that was coming. Nobody says T A A. Hey, by the way, by the way, guess who does say it? One of the that fat fuck Louis Benaventi from 100% Chelsea on his Twitter yesterday. He called him T A A. I am vindicated because I it's win. on Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's God. a losing battle. I All right, bets of the week. <laughs> bets of the week. 
I'm going Sheffield to draw against City. If you're going to bet in this game, Sheffield at a draw with City is plus 390. You can win some money. I'm going to hammer that this uh, on, I think it's Tuesday. No, Wednesday. No, hey, it is Tuesday. Let me, Venmo, uh, so, yeah. let me Venmo you some money. I want to get in on that bet. All right, sounds good, brother. Uh, Steven, who is your bet of the week? Bet of the week, um, I'm going to take Watford straight up against Aston Villa. They are plus 145 on the money line. I think that's easy money. Walk to the bank with that. Great bet. Carlito? Uh, I'm going to take Wolves versus Liverpool. Wolves, Liverpool. If you bet on that, you're A, a moron, but B, uh, (laughs) plus plus 450. Let's go! (laughs) I'm like Keanu in hardball, motherfucker. Let's go. (laughs) Great reference. That's a great reference. The Cucumbas, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. G baby. Dude. R.I.P. R.I.P. I.P. Oh, this is getting off the rails. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you for joining this episode of uh Footy Weekly. Carlito, dude, thank you for joining this. Uh, I love this podcast. <laughs> you guys are great, but uh you crushed on this one with us, man. Yeah, buddy. Any last words? Uh yeah, thanks for having me. Go Derek Henry FC. Let's go, baby. Steven, any last words for you? Uh, I get a feeling. I get a feeling we're gonna see more of this guy. But uh, yeah, great episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, up the Reds, up the Reds as always, top of the league. Looking down on everybody else. Uh, give Aye. us five stars if you can. Yeah. Give us five stars, please. <laughs> Carlito knows that we earn it every week. And yeah. feel free to give a uh, listen to the London is Calling podcast. They're great over there for the Chelsea supporters. But thanks for joining us. Uh, Ling- yeah, absolutely. It was a good time, man. Anytime. Yeah, Lingard sucks. Uh, Yes, he does.